have Kay that can both do it so amazingly well. I just, I absolutely love it. Father, we want to thank you again for this day. Lord, we want to ask you to open our ears, open our hearts, open our minds. Father, I ask that you bring peace to all those that are listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Anybody got anything before I start?
the Lord reminded me again that we have a different calling here. We have a, you know, I mean, we know that. It's not like we have to be reminded. We know that. But we do have a different calling here. We have a different mandate here. And that's to be a first century church where everybody participates. And I was able to say this last week. You weren't here, Ronnie. But I was so grateful that uh, we've had, um, over this time with Jack and Kay, everybody's been able to just pitch in, just fill the voids, right? And then when Dana and I go down with COVID and Dana falls and I fall and people still fill the voids, right? So it's, um, and I mean physically fell. We, we literally physically fell. I did twice, Dana did once. She got the brunt of the damage though, but um, she's still recovering today. She's got, still has, you can really pray for her. She still has this cough and uh, we're not sure what it is. We've taken care of everything we know to take care of. The doctors say there's nothing in her lungs and so we really believe it's it's mostly spiritual, but um, but yeah. So we have a first century church where everybody chimes in, everybody steps in, and and uh, if you have something to say, please stop me. You know, I'm not I'm not the guy. I'm just a guy. So so today I want to change the pace a little bit. Oh, we're hot. Today I want to change pace a little bit. Uh, I'm going to talk about joy. Um, I was uh, sitting there yesterday or the day before saying, Lord, what, what should I talk about this Sunday? And I immediately saw Kay putting up all the joys back here. And I thought, oh, yeah, that's good. Let's talk about joy. And what it is and why it is and what's the relative... You know, again, there's so many things that go on in this world that are so confusing right now. <laughs> they can take you up and take you down emotionally. They can take you all over the map. They can, you know, um, I don't care what it is. There's just so many things um, that if you listen to the world around us right now, you can find yourself in a lot of turmoil. And uh, unfortunately, I don't believe it's going to get better in the physical realm. I think as Christians, it can be better for us because of joy. Right? Um, so my question to everybody, what is joy? Give me a couple definitions. What's joy, running? What would joy be in your mindset? Joy in my mindset? Yeah. Knowing that I am in the will of God and, and walking the in his ways, yep. doing his will, not my own. Joy is love. So that brings you to a place of peace, contentment. Peace of love. Yeah. Okay. And that's yeah. ain't no greater place to be. Yeah. Rusty, what's your sense of joy? What do you think of when you think of joy? Well done. Yeah. And when you say a state, what do you mean by a state? Like Montana? No, good point well done yeah that's that's really good Happy 
come up and read my message. Yeah, yeah. You already got part of it. <laughs> Seriously, that's hilarious. That is so awesome. That's really good. That's really yeah. good. Because it is a state of mind. It is a state of being. It is a, you know, it's not a, it's not a, joy is not happy. That was what I was going to start with, is that joy is not happiness. Happiness is an emotion. Happiness is a, I'm happy because I walked out today and it's a beautiful sunny day and the warmth of the sun hit my face and it makes me happy, right? Um, but joy is, I walk out on a sunny day and I'm not feeling happy and I'm not feeling joyful and I've just lost something in my life. And yet as I walk out, the sun hits me and it reminds me of his presence. And it reminds me of who the sun is. And I go, because when his presence comes to me, there's joy, right? Um, I was thinking about it on the way, on the drive in today. There was, I love the 1980s. I was saved in 85 and I love the 1980s because of the lack of musical ability that was out in the worship leaders at the time. I mean, if you could sing four words together, you had a song, right? So rejoice over me, oh my soul. Rejoice over me, oh my soul. In the presence of the Lord, there is joy forevermore. Rejoice, rejoice over me, oh my soul, again! <laughs> but that song is really cool because it's, you know, it is. It's, it's speaking to your soul to rejoice because in his presence, there is joy. Right? Um, when the angels appeared to the shepherds, they said, fear not. Fear not. In other words, we're from God. You don't have to be fearful. There's great joy. And then the presence came, and there was great rejoicing and great joy. Um, so, do, so do you remember this? The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. subject but I was uh, I was a huge Kansas fan before I got saved and when Kerry Livgren got saved I heard about it and I was thrilled to pieces and a year after he got saved he actually put out a new album with the lead singer from Kansas and the guitarist and a couple of other guys um, and they called it AD well AD opened up to a resounding <laughs> from the Christian community because oh my lord rock and roll in the church I mean, this is when Amy Grant was still being ridiculed for singing the way she sang, right? Um, and uh, it was amazing. And so this week, I actually listened to some AD. I was thinking about John because I had mentioned it to John last week or the week before. And I was thinking about him, and I thought, I'll listen to that again. And uh, that, so we're talking Kansas, okay, except Christian, Right? The voices, the musical talent, the incredible writing skills, the depth of, of wisdom, of knowledge of the scripture, and the being put into this storytelling bard-like state that just blew your mind against the joy of the Lord is my strength. <laughs> it just 
they both bring you joy. They do. You know, they, they take you to a happy place if you let them. But I agree with you. I do. Uh, so when we're talking about the things that are going on in the world, I brought up some scripture and I was going to write some of it down, but quite honestly, it is all so relevant. Uh, if you just want to, if you're ever in a state where you need to bring yourself into a place of joy, um, it's called getting into the presence of the Lord. Right? Exactly. When you, when you enter into the presence of God and His Holy Spirit enters into you, you are baptized in joy. When I first started looking at all this, I was actually looking at the Hebraic reason for baptism and what what the process was. Um, and one of the, uh, the in, in in Hebraic tradition, the reason for baptism was a cleansing from sin or defilement. And so we talked a little bit about this last week. But it's one of the things that then would bring you to a place where you could then be in the presence of God prior to the coming of Jesus Christ. So prior to the coming of Jesus Christ, when you went into the Holy of Holies, they tied a rope around your leg. You were the only priest that would go in for that year. You would walk into the Holy of Holies after ritual cleansing after cleansing after cleansing to make sure you were absolutely spotless and perfect. And then you would walk into the Holy of Holies and Lord forbid, literally, if you had done any of that wrong because you were going to drop dead and they were going to pull you out with the rope. Right? Um, when Christ came and was baptized by John, that was the first one of the first acts that he did that set the pace and cleansed all of us in the moment of salvation. My mom and I were just talking about this because she's got some friends that are Baptists and my mom is devout Lutheran and they were talking about she was shocked at how similar their theology was. And I said, now forgive me out here. Okay, I'm talking as an ex-Lutheran, not as an ex-Baptist. So if I'm wrong, nobody scourge me. Okay, But I said the emphasis from the Baptist point of view is on the baptism as being one of the key factors of salvation. And, and without baptism, the salvation is not complete. The emphasis in the Lutheran tradition is the signification and acknowledgement of the salvation of Christ, which is then witnessed by the baptism as public announcement of their declaration in faith to Christianity. And my mom was kind of a little wishy-washy on that. She wasn't real sure if that was right, and that's okay, because we all have an opinion. And, but in that, I started to think about, well, what was the baptism? And so the cleansing of sin that Christ did in that moment of baptism, why did Christ have to be baptized? Because he was a man. Was he being baptized because he had to acknowledge himself? No, it was positional. He had to be baptized by John in order to fulfill the purity ritual. Once he was purified, he could go on to complete the remaining process that would then lead to salvation. So if he had not been baptized by John, I don't believe he would have been able to complete everything that he was called to complete. 
it was an integral part of the process, without a shadow of a doubt. But in that moment of baptism, what happened? The Holy Spirit came down upon him as a dove in great joy. Because the Spirit of God entered, and there was great joy. So when we're dealing with the thing, Absolutely, and I think they're integral. I think they're all in one. Like you're saying, you know, they're, they're, none, of it, none of it is one part or another part. It's all together as a singular entity when it happened. It's but a. That was like one of the only times that we see the Trinity all, all there at one time. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. 100%. John is signaling that we need to pick up the mics when we talk. Uh, <laughs> I got <gotcha. laughs> you. Um, in James 1, 2, it says, Consider it all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. So is he saying consider it all happiness? No. No. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah I know a lot of people that would, yeah, <laughs> because on those days. But what he's saying is consider it all joy. So how do you consider something as an emotion? Well, that's where we make our mistake. Joy is not an emotion. Joy is a position. Okay? When Christ positioned himself in the baptism with John, joy came upon him because the Holy Spirit entered in. So consider it all joy. What does considering mean? What is it is to consider? To be thoughtful of to evoke, to be mindful of, right? So in other words, is he talking about being considerate of joy? No. Consider it. So he's talking about the persecution. Okay, so it's actually, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And then he goes on to list them. So when you have different trials, you're to consider those and encounter joy. So in other words, I stub my toe. I can swear or I can stop and say, Father, that really hurts. I think my toenail's laying on the ground. This isn't good. Help me. And ask for his presence. Or if you're baptized in the spirit of God and you speak in tongues, one of my things, I'm telling you, I, I remember one time hammering my thumb with a, with a tack hammer. If, you've never, if you're going to hit yourself with a hammer, a tack hammer is a great one to do with because it's got this cleat on it. It really does some nice pattern damage to your thumb. It's really good. Let me tell you, and I hit myself with this hammer and my dad and a Christian brother of mine were up on the roof with me. We were putting cedar shakes on and I started the Shikinamara Sataramatutu Santiti Shia Wahana Shitiawa. You know, and and uh, <laughs> my dad's looking at me like this. He goes, What was that? 
I said, I'm sorry, it's just the Spirit of God coming out of me. Oh, whatever, you know. <laughs> but I entered into a place of joy because I still had the pain. But God's Spirit came to me and I had joy all of a sudden. I still hurt, but I had joy. So what was I doing? I was considering the pain and calling for the joy through the process of the Spirit of God. So it's something that it's something that practically, you know, um, the world can't understand. No, the world cannot understand it. That's where I was going to go. They, 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 on a practical level, the world goes, "What? How can you be happy?" You know. I remember sitting at my dad's funeral, and I'm sitting in his garage, and, and uh, my stepmother, uh, who remain unnamed, um, I'm still praying for her, I'm hoping that she comes to the Lord. Um, her background, her mother was um, a Polish refugee in World War II, and her dad was a Canadian soldier that met her in Poland during the, during the freedom uh, fight for Poland. Uh, which is very well known there, not so much here. Um, but when she was brought out, she came out very, very bitter. Very, very bitter. And that bitterness carried over to my stepmom, generationally. It's a spiritual thing. Um, and I sat in my dad's garage, and I was when my dad passed away, I was able to spend time with my father and read the scripture to him and ask him the key questions I had to ask him. Scared the daylights out of me to ask him those questions, let me tell you. But I followed God's heart, and I asked him, and he said, yes, I want to receive Christ. And he became a Christian just days before he passed away. And then all he wanted to do after that was hear the Word of God read to him. And so that totally, totally sent the spirit that was in my stepmother reeling. She did not want any part of that. So a couple days later, I'm sitting in the garage after the funeral, and I'm full of joy. I know where my dad is. I'm trying to be mindful of the people around me and the sorrow that they're feeling. But we're also telling a lot of really good stories about my dad, different things that I thought were just made-up stories, and I'm asking his buddies, did, this, did, dad really, did dad really cut an I-beam off on a building on the wrong side because he was drunk? And they all went, yep. <laughs> You know, things like that. You're having these, these mindful stories and you're talking about things. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm just full of joy. And it went to the heart of my stepmother and turned into hard, cold hate and bitterness. Right into her heart. Because the Spirit of God was coming against that spirit that she had generationally and hit with. It's outside of her doing. Because she has no spiritual knowledge. She doesn't know what's happening. But she's not freed by joy. We were all freed by joy. The one gentleman that I had the most fun with was Skip Wright. And Skip is a brother in the Lord. I love him dearly. And he... Uh, we just, we just laughed. We just laughed and 
giggled, and there was a couple of us who were born-again Christians who knew Dad and were thrilled about what had happened with him, and we just had so much joy because the Spirit of God entered that little garage where we were having this wake for my dad, you know. And, uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was an amazing time, but it's also a very relevant factor, a very relevant point as to how joy can come in and do one thing to one person, not to the other person, and that's why it's not happiness. Joy is the presence of the Holy Spirit coming in, and how you respond to it is key. And that's the point of that little story, is responding to joy with an open heart and embracing the presence of God will bring you into a place of joy. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Because he had joy. In other words, he had an understanding and a knowledge of the fullness of the presence of the Holy Spirit. These things have I spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The presence of the Holy Spirit would be in you. And that in that joy, you would be full. You would be complete. I could go on and on and on. There was a couple more in here I wanted to go over. But um, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit dries up the bones. Everybody knows that proverb. You know, we've all heard it. But when you think of it, a heart, if you, if you take it and you go, a heart filled with the Spirit of God is good medicine. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. A heart filled with the Spirit of God is good medicine. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. It's a lot more relevant. So when I found that joy was a direct reverence to the Spirit of God, and I started to read some of these scriptures this last week, it's really eye-opening when you interject the Spirit of God for the word joy and the relevance of the Spirit of God. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So somebody asks you, there's scripture all over the place that will directly let you know that joy is an act of the Holy Spirit that comes on your flesh and on your spirit and on your mind, your soul, your body, everything. Because the presence of God is there. And I think that's really important for us to keep in mind in these days. You know, another thing that stimulated this, of course, was, was Kay has got, I don't know if anybody's talked to them about this or not, but it is thrilling. There are so many little nuances. I stopped last Sunday to talk to them, and there were so many little nuances of things that happened that even Kay wasn't aware of all of them. And Jack started to share some stuff, and she went, really? Like, I mean, there is just so much stuff that they're going to be able to share about the joy of the Spirit of God coming into this situation. I'm going to share this. So, the ground that Kay was on down here, right? they were looking, I think it's down this way, they were looking at some property. 
So she's laying on the ground. Bones are sticking out. Blood's pouring into the ground. Her brother-in-law, or son-in-law, sorry, daughter, Jack and her, are all there. She says she's not experiencing any pain. Nothing. Presence God is strong. And this is just one thing that happened. I'm not even going to tell the fullness of the story, just part of it, because I think it's amazing. So long story short, because Kay is prophetic and a prophetess, my cousin had done a study years ago, and I don't know all the ins and outs, so I can't back this up because I haven't looked at it myself, but I know enough about Robin that when he says he studied it out, trust me, the man has studied it out. Um, is one of the few that you can just take to the bank and go with. And he said that if the blood of a prophet is spilt on a land and the prophet does not renew the land by either purchasing it or by his family purchasing it, that the land remains cursed until the curse is removed through the grace of God. But if the blood of a prophet is spilt on land and the prophet buys it, it is blessed and it is redeemed and it is purified. So Kay had no knowledge of this, and I, I would, I'm still going to have to call Robin and get all of his notes on this because I know he's got them. Um, she's laying on the ground, and the Lord said, your blood has purified the ground. Hmm. So she yells out to her son-in-law. As they're putting her in the ambulance, she cries out to Derek, by the land, my blood's in the land. And they're all just rolling their eyes at her, but she's like, Derek, you have to put an offer. <laughs> you have to put an offer on the land. You have to put an offer on the land. And they're putting her in the ambulance, and one of the ambulance drivers looks at, at uh, uh, Kay's daughter and says, if I ever get into a scrap, I want this woman with me. She is one <laughs> tough broad. <laughs> like, you know. And uh, <clears throat> so here's the thing that they didn't know. So Chris, the gentleman they bought the land from, I believe he's a, I believe he's a believer too. I think he is. That's what they were. Yeah, he is over that district. He's the ward. He's the ward of that district. Yeah. And he's trying to buy up all of the rundown and that's what he was doing in the past to, to reclaim this right. town in the spirit. So well, just I as a... Us here. That's right. And so, so this is just a secondary point, but this is this is a secondary point to the story. I'm not going to go into the main bank of the story because that's another thing all to itself. But Chris tells Derek in a conversation later on, you know the strangest thing. I went back to where your mother-in-law fell down and where she was bleeding. And this is when it had froze so bad here about a week and a half ago. And the blood froze in the ground and came up out of the ground and looked exactly like a crown. Let that sink in. The blood froze in the ground, came out of the ground, and was a crown of blood on the land. It closed last Wednesday. Closed Wednesday afternoon, I think it was. 
So, I mean, they bought the land. And then, then there's a whole story connected to that that they'll tell as well. But it's an amazing story. I, could t I, was, I would love to tell it, but I'm not going <laughs> to. But great joy, right? Kay said, Sean, I didn't have any pain. I had no pain. They asked me, do you want drugs? And I'm like, no. She said, I'm sitting in the hallway. And the nurse comes by and says, can I get you anything? And she's like, no, I'm fine. You don't want anything for the pain? No, I'm good. You know? Now you can say that's shock. But a 70-something-year-old woman sitting in a wheelchair in the hospital with two bones sticking out of the side of her leg says, no, I'm good. No, I'm sorry. I've been in shock. I understand what it is to break bones. And there's a point where it just hurts. That's, that is God's presence. His joy came upon her. And that's what she said the entire time during the hospital. She was in great joy. Cleaning ladies would come in. You know, doctors would come in. Nurses would come in. Other staff members would just come in. You know, and she got to share the joy of the Lord, the presence of God's Spirit. She even got to play the piano one day. I mean, this is an amazing thing. This is, a, this is an astounding thing. And so as we move forward into things that whatever is going to happen next, whatever God has slated for the world, we have to remember, whatever happens next, okay, whether it's the stuff I've been talking about for weeks as far as the spiritual beings, etc., which we will, trust me, I got into a hole here. I thought I knew this stuff, but I got into a hole that's so big. I got to make sure that it's verifiable by Scripture. And so that's what's been taking me so long is because there is so much out there that just um, is real. But I'm a guy that I got to know that it's in the book. If it's not in the book, I'm not going to share it. You know, um, so whether it's that or whether it's the threat of war or whether it's the threat of civil war or whether it's the threat of political upheaval or whether it's the threat of your party not winning and the world turning upside down economically or whatever the case if you're a political being whatever it is if we focus on God's spirit when we come to a place of confusion, when we come to a place of misunderstanding, when we come to a place of pain, when we come to any kind of a place that takes us out of God's presence, if we say, Father, please bring me back into your presence, we'll be in the presence of great joy. And in the presence of great joy, we have great peace, we have great understanding, we have an I had a conversation, I'll end with this, I had a conversation with a lady today, or uh, this last week. I was in Jenks, and I was at a, a clearance store. And uh, her name is Rita. She just lost her husband last February, so it's been a year. And you can see the pain was still on her. But she was trying everything she could to make things work. She used to be a teacher, I think a professor. Wonderful lady, had a great time. And she said, you know what concerns me more than anything? And I said, what's that? She said, the fascism that's rising up in our country today. And I said, yeah, you're absolutely right. And we started to talk. 
But every time I would start to talk, the Lord would have me say, and it doesn't matter what party you're part of, it seems to be that the other party is declaring the opposing party is fascists. Well, then I came to find out that she was not a Trump supporter <laughs> or a right-wing thinker. She was very much a left-wing thinker. But she was saying the same talking points that those who are right-wing thinkers state. There is a wash that's happening in public opinion that is being put out there by the globalist agenda and others to confuse people and put them in a state of mistrust of others so that we no longer have conversations like Rita and I had. And I said to her, isn't it wonderful that we can stand here and be on opposite political sides but have more common ground than not common ground? And she said, yes. And I said, I'm really enjoying these conversations. She said, so why? I really am. And I said, yeah. I said, this is, this is very pleasant. I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me about this. And we had, we were, we had common ground about, we were looking at the book section. And so we were pulling up books on the Holocaust and on different things. And she was showing me books she had read in her book club, you know. And they were all books that I would have read. And I said, this is just wonderful to have this type of a conversation. We need to remember that in a common place, in a place where Christ is centered. And in this conversation, Christ was centered because he made himself that way by giving me direction as to not offend her. Right? That's the definition of be all things to all men. It's not to compromise. It's to hear God's voice so that you follow his edicts and his direction so that you don't offend unnecessarily. Because trust me, Christ knows how to offend people. Ask any of the Sanhedrin. <laughs> he can slap you around. That's not our job. Um, but count it all blessing, count it all joy. We're coming into a time where we're going to need to hear his voice and we're going to need to call on the Spirit of God to dwell with us so that we can be in a place of joy and that joy becomes a witness to all of us. Right? Amen. Amen. Anybody else? Go ahead, Lauren. Um, so just just to add on to that, you know, um, I've been listening to a lot of stuff, and um, if you think about the, the extremes, like a bell curve, it's just 3%, and they're finding this through the Barna study, through, like, they've done all kinds of studies now because of the the nuns of, like, no religion at all, like, they're claiming none, um, so they're calling them the nuns, um, not like the habit nuns. Um, <clears throat> so they're doing a lot of studying about the church and the falling away from the church, and, um, and what are we going to do about this? Because even non-Christians are worried because the, without the church there's not the service, there's not the, right, like, so a lot of things, like, even people that are just sociologists are worried. But they're finding that there's 3% on the way extreme on the right. There's 3% on the way extreme of the left. The rest, like, 70% are really, like, in the middle. Like, even if they're not going to church, they're actually more, like, Nicene Creed Orthodox, you know, like, even if they're not going to the church. And they're finding that most of them would very willingly go to church if anybody would ask them. 
like a friend would take them or whatever. So they're finding that there's this great gap of like people that have just like had something happen and quit going. COVID, they quit going and just haven't gone back. They've moved and haven't found a church. So there's this harvest there of, of these people that are in the middle. But the problem is, is that the 6% on each side are the ones that are getting all of the airtime. So that's why it feels like it's, it feels chaotic because like, you don't, like, I know for me, like, it's not one extreme or the other, but if you think that that's how everybody's feeling because they're the ones that are, you're like, what am I missing? You know, like, this isn't my reality. This isn't what I see. This isn't what I'm experiencing with people, but it's all you're hearing in all the noise. So I think it, it is really important to remember that most people are, the majority of people are in the middle, maybe a little right, more, maybe a little more left, not even politically, just like ideologically, right? Um, but just to remember we are all humans and we actually have way more in common than we do not. So just just to remember that and not let all the noise come in. And then some practical tools that I've heard from other people um, is just when it's chaotic, which I don't know about you guys, but even at work, it's just felt more, there's just more chaos, right? Like just more dysregulation in people, um, more dysregulation in systems. Um, just like behavior in your like what in the world, you know? Um, but to pray, pray God's creative order, right? His order that he created the world, right? God's creative order over it. Just pray it over your life, over, over everything. Um, and then also God's fiery love to push back all the hatred, you know, because there, there is a spirit of hatred that's coming against this world. That's where the fascism is coming. That's where all of this extremeness is coming, is the spirit of hatred. But there's also um, a spirit of desolation where people are just, like, giving up, right? That's where the deconstruction of faith, of going away, like, if this is the world and, you know, it's that, I just might as well give up on it, right? Like, pastors leaving because it's just you're bumping up against this spirit of desolation and praying the river of life, right? To surround and fill and bring life, that presence of God. Um, and just praying those over our lives. It's not that we're going to fight off those spirits that are global, right? But over us, God's river of life, his fiery love and his creative order and his glory kind of push back all of that where we can have that awareness in our own life right and considering it all and knowing that you know we're not doing anything wrong right like this is we're in a spiritual battle right we we are people at war but not with flesh and blood but like there's everything coming against us so that we don't have joy so we live in fear right and that's what we've what we've been talking about and the only way to combat that is the presence of God, which brings all the fruit of the Spirit.
right? And it brings the joy. But praying that into our life every day, right? Like I pray that in the morning and then I prayed over my kids at night, you know, when I'm, but for all of us, but it's that discipline of taking our authority. And I know like sometimes you're like, what does that mean? All it is, is bringing all that we are and all that we have in alignment and under the full authority of God, under his fiery love, under his creative order, right? Under the spirit and the full governance of Holy Spirit, under the full work of Christ and letting his blood cleanse and purify each and every part and recognizing that none of it's ours, right? And when we're in alignment, there is joy, and that's where peace is. Right, and it's in that surrendered, and that surrendered place of none of it's mine, all of it's yours. I'm, that's what we talked about, I'm your, I'm the steward of it, right? You've given it under my care. And just having it in alignment under all of that, and all of that other malarkey goes away. Let me expand on that because I think it's it's really good, you know, taking care of our own, taking care of our family, taking care of our surrounding, praying into our church, right into our community, and our that, region. Yeah, that's that's our that is our you know first century church. That's what it's about. Right. I want to thank you for the work you've done in the church of who gathers in. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that's what it's about. There's also though, I want to expand on it a little bit because I believe that. One of the things we're really cautious of, especially here, is that we don't step into Christian witchcraft. We don't start speaking things into people's lives that goes against the will of God or against their will because God's given them a free will for a purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's imperative that the individuals come to an understanding of Christ in their own time, their own place, under God's desired framework for them. Right? Having said that, each and every one of us who's here that had a salvation experience had an experience in a moment when the Spirit of God came upon you and you went, and you knew God was real. Mm-hmm. That's the moment. And you have to make it, you have to answer. That's when the presence of God, the Spirit of God comes in. Great joy comes upon you and you either accept the joy or you live in the misery. Mm-hmm. That's the choice. Having said that, 3% is an interesting number because 3% is the percentage of people that were actually engaged in the initial days of the Civil War in the United States. 3% on one side and 3% on the other. Mm-hmm. That's all it was. The rest of the population was hands-off. So I don't say that to instill fear. I say that to say we can pray for his presence to come upon, and I have been praying this actually over the last about five weeks now. I'll be walking, I'll be doing something, the Lord will say, pray that this specific individual calms down. And I don't know who the person is, but I'll get a presence or I'll get a feeling or I'll get a, an image or I'll get a you know number of different things. And I'll say, Lord, whoever that is, God, I ask that your presence would come to them mm-hmm. and that great joy would come upon them that they would settle down and that they wouldn't take extreme measures. Mm-hmm. That they would restrain themselves. They would come back to a place of peace in understanding who you are. 
So what I'm praying is I'm praying for that relevance. I'm praying for that moment of intervention that God has for all of us. Mm-hmm. To stop and go, you're here. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think it's important that we do that because that's who our church is. Now, as a local community church, we're one thing, but we are very prophetic-oriented here and very intercessory-oriented here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that it is our mandate as God has shown it to us um, and continues to reveal it to us uh, to pray into national things, mm-hmm. not just regional things. Yeah. And so I believe that, that taking the time, hearing God's voice, and if you feel like suddenly there's this little, mm, and something's not quite right, to stop and just say, Lord, what are you showing me? Mm-hmm. And then pray for his presence to come into that area. right? And I think that that is a, If we do what Laura said, and then we cap it off with the other, knowing that we're not limiting ourselves to just this area, but that we have the authority to speak to national things, I I personally believe we can turn this thing upside down. Mm -hmm. We really can. We can turn this thing upside down. And then God will place into power whoever he's going to place into power. And this is one thing we have to remember. I don't care if it's Kamala Harris and Oprah Winfrey that win the 2024 election. And mark my words, I'm not just saying that lightly. Don't care. If that happens, it's because God desired it to be. Because he has told us he positions kings, rulers, and people in places of power. Nobody else does. So there's a reason. We could have Nero and Pharaoh. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's who God positioned at the time. That's when right. our, you know, so He knows what He's doing, and if we can trust it and just stay in alignment with Him, then we'll be doing His will and bringing His kingdom, no matter what. And just to top, yeah, and exactly, and just to top that off, and then we'll close. But um, you know, if you pray for somebody outside of who gets elected, that doesn't mean you weren't praying God's will. You know, it goes back to just what God is keep pouring out and keeps repeating them to me is if my people yes. will yes. humble themselves and pray. Us, not the my world. People. Us, and that's that's what He's screaming to us. Just. We're not talking about corporate prayer. We're not talking about a Tuesday night prayer meeting. We're not talking about calling up all the leaders in Oklahoma and saying we need to get together and pray. He's talking about a condition of the heart. Get in that secret place with him and pray. And if you will condition your heart, if you will position yourself and say, Father, I am here. I'm here. He hears that. It doesn't matter whether you're underneath the truck working on it with a wrench. It doesn't matter if you're castrating cattle. It doesn't matter if you're, it doesn't matter what you're doing, where you're at. At that moment, if you say, Father, I'm here. I'm here. What do you have? Because you get that little tweaking, that little irk, that little, that little movement where you know the Holy Spirit's speaking to you. And he says, pray this. Just pray. Mm-hmm. Humble yourself in prayer. Live in that place of communicating with God one-on-one. So, what is, just real quick, for someone who's listening out there, prayer is not, oh, our Father. Hallowed be thy name. This is not, we're not talking about the liturgy of prayer. 
Well, God is very specific as to how to pray. That's an actual teaching that he was giving. That's not a phraseology structure. It's a teaching, which I won't go into. But when God is talking to us about prayer and the work that he did and everything we've discussed today in the presence of the Holy Spirit being something that brings joy on a continual basis, what God is saying is, would you please come and talk to me? You want to get back to the garden. I'm telling you it's here. All you have to do is open your mouth and talk to me because I'm waiting to hear your voice. And I want to talk back. And that's what he's really... Please talk to me. That's what he's really been nailing me with, Sean, is right. I need you to listen. Yeah. I need you to listen to me. You're talking to me, but listen. And he cannot, we cannot move forward in him if we're not listening. Well, we can't experience joy in the Holy Spirit. No, what? Listen, no, what? Exactly. So, Father, we want to thank you, Lord, for this day. We want to thank you for a spirit of surrender, a spirit of uh, humility. God, we ask you to continue to humble us. I know that's a crazy prayer to pray sometimes, but Father, we're asking for that. We want to be positioned exactly where you want us to be. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Should we do our liturgy? <laughs> our what? Our declaration. <laughs> <laughs> you used the word too big for me. <laughs> And so this is, I come from a Lutheran background, so there's all these liturgical things you do at the beginning, and all the, the good stuff is in the middle, 15 minutes of a Lutheran service. Everything else is just liturgy, right? So, as we've, we've given, given back, back to the, to the Lord, Lord a portion of what He has given us, we, we declare that He teaches us to profit and lead us in the way we should go. The Lord gives us power to make wealth and supplies all our needs according to His riches and glory. We bless Israel and pray for the peace of Jerusalem. As he blesses us, his way becomes known on the earth and his salvation among all nations. Lord, we are believing you for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, debts paid off and transfer of wealth, prosperous businesses, our vats filled with oil and our coffers with gold, expenses decreased, blessings increased, Heavens opened, earth invaded, signs, wonders, and miracles, and angelic visitations. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, thank you for more than enough, so we can give into your kingdom, co-labor with heaven, and see Jesus get his full reward.